Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Baker has been nothing but a uh, professional since he's been here, a complete pro uh, tremendous respect for him. Uh, as he and I had a conversation, uh, I talked about, you know, my decision uh, at the time uh, to go to Cleveland uh, was all based off uh, him and their offense and having an opportunity to be, you know, with a product- productive team that I felt that could move the ball. Uh, and, you know, this is a, you know, a tough business. Uh, and sitting in this seat, you know, it's a tough decision on my part, but uh, it was something that I felt like, uh, was the best move for the team moving forward. Steve Wilkes, interim coach of the Carolina Panthers, during their bye week, they didn't play on Sunday, day after Baker Mayfield is released. He asked to be released, and he was. He wasn't playing. Sam Darnold had taken over as the starter. P.J. Walker had been the starter until he got injured. Darnold has played pretty well. Panthers have to make some decisions about the future and they had made the decision Baker Mayfield wasn't going to be part of their future. So if someone claims his contract, they're going to save about $1.3 million, which isn't a ton of money in today's NFL, but it's a little something. They get a little something in return. That's it though. It's too late to trade Baker Mayfield. So he gets out and now he goes through the waiver process, Chris. And this was unexpected. Although it's one of those things where I'm surprised but then when I sit and think about it, it's like it's not really surprising. I'm surprised the Panthers let him go. I, but uh, yeah, I, I'm not surprised he'd won out. But he asked, and it just goes to show, kids, there's no harm in asking. They can say no, but there's a chance they'll say yes. And the Panthers said yes. Now the problem is Baker Mayfield's got to sweat it out until 4 o'clock Eastern today to see which of the teams out there puts in the waiver claim and which of those teams has the highest priority because where he goes next it's not going to be his choice. And you can't continue to say, will you please release me until you get released and claimed on waivers by somebody you actually want to play for. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be interesting. It is a little bit. It is fascinating. You know, what, what led Baker, Baker Mayfield to be asked to be released? 
You know, yeah, you know, Carolina, I can, you know, understand them. I give them credit for going, wait, you know, Sam Darnold, we got P.J. Walker, you know, Baker, you, we know you kind of got screwed over by your last team. You know, there is no future here between us. That's cool of them to, to let them go. It is. You know, I, I will say, and, and people here at NBC will vouch for me, I just, I do find it coincidental, too. I do. I was sitting here Sunday night in the back viewing room during the game, kind of yelling, going, man, who's a team that's got a third quarterback where the third quarterback could, you know, weasel his way out of town or get off the team? And then well, maybe- that's not how I remember it. I remember it saying they should call Carolina and see if they wanted to trade one of those quarterbacks. And I had to remind you the trade deadline passed five weeks ago. That's how I remember. It. Well, yeah, I, I, I might right have church wrong pew. Well, I might have said that earlier, early on in the okay. day. You're right. I, I'm not denying that I didn't say that. I went, oh, duh, that was stupid. <laughs> right. I, stupid. I think I even might have said that yesterday. But either way. Yeah. As I my thought was there. Uh, thank you for at least confirming my point of going. Yes. Oh, Wait, it definitely was there. That You're where the first guy I thought of. When I saw he was retired, I said Sims was talking about the Carolina quarterbacks yesterday. I just thought of who's who's got that third guy that could kind of finagle his way out out of town there. And so that's where I found it coincidental. And then, yeah, now the waiver thing I think is interesting as well. You know, this is an interesting conversation there to be had. You know, one, like some of the teams that are not very good, they're going to be at top of the waiver list here. Are they going to really want to – what's the point of picking up Baker Mayfield right now? I don't know if they're Here's really the – point. Here right? it is. Yeah. Here's why. Right. And this, this dawned on me last night. Yeah. I was talking to my son or my nephew about this. I think I was talking to my nephew about this. And it's like the more you talk about football, the more ideas you eventually get into your head. That's the best way – to let your brain, because you're having a conversation. It's like what we do. That's why I enjoy this show so much. We talk about stuff. It's like, I hadn't thought about that before. If you are in the process of mapping out your free agency planning for next year, and if Baker Mayfield is on your list of guys that you may have been interested in, in any capacity, why not bring him in for $1.3 million for five weeks? You get to be around him. You get to see him at practice. Even if he's not going to be ready to play, you got five weeks with him. Then you have exclusive negotiating rights with him until free agency begins. If he was a guy you were thinking about anyway, why wouldn't you bring him in now? The only wrinkle is you don't want to upset the apple cart internally, but you're bringing him in as a backup. You bring him as number three guy. You go to your starter and say, he's not playing this year. We're just taking a look at him. You know, the, the old Rick Spielman adage, because remember when Josh Freeman got cut by the Bucks in 2013 and the Vikings signed him. It's like, why are you saying you got a quarterback? What are you doing here? But they, they really didn't at the time. But the point was when you have an opportunity to potentially get a franchise quarterback, you don't say no. You take advantage of the opportunity and you evaluate him. You see what you have. And if it works out great. And if it doesn't, it didn't. Well, you move on to the next potential franchise quarterback. So I just think if there's teams out there, Chris, that had their eye on Baker Mayfield, this is a relatively cheap opportunity to to lease before you buy. All right, so so there's only two teams that fit that mold of what you're talking about that could even that, that can even think about that. At least in my opinion. You know, I mean, hey, the Rams could bring him in, but there's no future and we know they could maybe use him for right now, right? But after that, you get into the conversation and the only teams that make sense from what, what we're we're discussing here are the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts. Those are the only two. And I think both mm-hmm. of them are Kind of like we know Houston had a chance to get Baker Mayfield already. So they passed on that. I think both teams are looking for a quarterback of the future. Indianapolis, are they really going to go and try to sell to their fan base? Hey, we're going to try 
another team's trash for the third year in a row. As, do you think that's going to work as a sale? So that's where I, I don't know where that team is. I think your thought is right, Mike. I'm not trying to even argue that. I'm with you. But I, that's where I just got down to. I was like, well, I don't know if there's teams that fit that mold, even though what you're saying is totally logical. If there was more teams that I think fit that mold. But unfortunately, some of the teams that are down the list and up high on the waiver wire, they already have their future kind of in hold or – you know, it just doesn't make sense all the way there. So that's where it's interesting too, Mike. And let me just add one more thing onto this okay. too. Just with like, you know, the other part of it is, okay, if you're one of those teams, do you want to take a chance like you're saying, which I'm saying there's, there's definitely logic. I'm with you there. But at the same time too, I mean, if you're one of these teams that fighting for a spot with the 49ers – you know, which which I was like at first, like I, I mean, ooh, I don't know if I'm one of these times. Would would I want to claim them just so they can't have them or or go down that you know road at some point here? And I found that to be interesting too. But you know, I'll be interested to see where what happens today okay. is when the waiver wire comes out. So there's three categories. Yeah, here, yeah. As I see it, team that would want him in order to play him right now or pretty damn soon. Right. Two, team that would want him to evaluate him for the future. Is this a guy we would want to try to re-sign and let compete for the starting job or be the starter next year? Category three, team that is trying to prevent someone else from getting Baker Mayfield. Right. Those are the three categories. That's a good way to let put it. Let me go back to yeah. category number two. You mentioned the Colts, and this is one of the – added benefits of having this show where we have this platform where we can talk about whatever I had forgotten. Remember that podcast where the dog was like rolling all over the place. Yeah. On the white cast right. He said Colts at first. Cast. Remember? Colts. Right. Until Matt Ryan fell out of the sky right. into their laps. The Colts was where he thought he was going to go. Chris Ballard is still there as the general manager of the Colts. And I think Baker Mayfield knew that of which he was speaking at the time he said the Colts. So I would watch the Colts. I mean, they're trying to figure out what they're going to do now. Matt Ryan, they've got that $17 million injury guarantee that was an issue until it wasn't. And I know Jim Ursay is kind of throwing caution to the wind here because he wants to give Jeff Saturday all the power and all the options that he has and all the resources available. I knew I'd get to the right word eventually to try to prove that he can be the head coach. If he wants Baker Mayfield, Jim Mercy is not going to say no. So I'm, I'm, that's more of a com- combination short-term and maybe next year. Here's one to watch. And I had a general manager raise this one with me last night. And I'd been trying to get away from it because there was a point during the offseason where I was trying to speak this one into existence. But who drafted Baker Mayfield, Chris? Who drafted him? Cleveland. Who drafted him in Cleveland? John Dorsey. Where is John Dorsey right now? Oh, John Dorsey is I'm choking under this right now. Where where the heck is he right now? Where is Detroit. he? Detroit. He's Detroit. He's hmm. in Detroit. Hmm. That's interesting. So here are the line now, from the Lions standpoint, we got something pretty good going. Yeah, that's Jared that's where it's risky. playing well. Right. Right. You 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 you're welcoming you're throwing a wrench into your own gears, potentially. Right. If you bring Baker Mayfield in. Because then you got Jared Goff thinking, what the hell's going exactly on here? We're right. in a playoff run right. right now. Yeah. That, but but I, I have at least one prediction from a GM that the Lions will be a team that puts in a waiver claim. And they're, they're, they're middle of the pack. They could get him before the 49ers. 
they get him before the Seahawks because you mentioned the possibility of like a team like the Seahawks saying we're going we're going to take him. So so the 49ers can't. But watch the Lions, and that's what's going to be interesting here. They used to publicize the full list of waiver claims. Now they don't, but someone will inevitably leak it, especially for a big one like this. We'll hear every team that put in the waiver claim. Obviously, we'll know who gets him. But after that, we'll hear every team that put in a claim. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions at least consider it. And if they do it, it won't shock me. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, they got to dance that fine line. That, I guess I would be surprised, too, because I feel like they finally have turned the corner with Jared Goff. It's the first time in the history of the Jared Goff-Lions organization marriage here. And really the first time I will ever say, even with Jared Goff in general, I don't even care that he was went to the Super Bowl with the Rams, where I went – he actually might be the option for them next year. Like, he's, I think he's playing the best year of his career. And I know statistically it's not that. I get that. But, Mike, you've heard me make the point. You know, he's making plays himself now. He's aggressive. He's throwing the ball in the tight windows. You know, back with the Rams day, it was everything we can do to make it easy and so he didn't have to do anything through a football game. You know, he got backed into a corner here. Detroit had a fight for his career. I think Dan Campbell and them and Mark Brunel, his quarterback coach, have pushed him to, hey, no, you got to make this throw. You got to do this right here. And we're seeing a different guy right now who's playing really well. So that's where, if you're thinking about him as the future, that's where, to your point, that would get dicey and confuse things. And I would think, you know, knock things off kilter a little bit if you bring Baker Mayfield into town. Because the one thing with Baker Mayfield, you know, and, and I like him and I still think he's got starting quarterback potential here, is the fact that when he is one of those guys when he comes to town that, hey, he's, you know, Johnny Progressive commercial guy. He's a, he's a star. So people are always, when are you going to get him in? When are you going to get him in? Is he going to play? Is he going to play? Baker, 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 Baker. And it overtakes your team that way. And I think that's why, you know, not to change the point, but just to throw it in here as far as the conversation, why the 49ers probably don't want to get involved in the Baker Mayfield conversation right now because they're going, we got something good. We don't need the locker room to be overtaken by when's Baker going to be in, when's Baker going to be in, and having to deal with that. And I, that's why I don't expect them to be on the waiver or claiming them on the waivers today. I got some more thoughts on other teams, but since you mentioned the 49ers, and that was the first team that came to mind. That's right. how the whole Carolina thing came up because we were dealing with the aftermath. You yeah. first said it after we knew that Jimmy Garoppolo had a broken foot, unless he doesn't. I still don't know what's going on there, but he's likely out for the season. Here's Kyle Shanahan, the coach of the 49ers, from yesterday when he was asked by reporters whether the 49ers would be interested in Baker Mayfield. I mean, we look into everything, but that would surprise me right now, and we got to discuss more this afternoon and stuff, but I've always been a fan of his, but feel real good about our players, and we'll look into everything, but... I feel pretty good with where we're at right now. Now, he's got to be careful what he says because the tampering rules, I think, would still apply here. He's not a free agent. He technically, and I don't know what time of day that was done, but he goes to waivers, and you just you don't want to get yourself in a position where your hand's too close to that fire. That said, this gets back to, remember when, back when it looked like there was maybe a chance someone at some point would give Colin Kaepernick an opportunity. Anytime a quarterback got injured, the attitude was, well, we have a guy that knows our system. We have a guy that we know. We have a guy that we can plug in, next man up. And, I mean, Brock Purdy's already shown on the fly that he can run the system. He's already shown he can do the job. So you're bringing in a guy that would have to learn everything. This is kind of like the OBJ mindset. Like, why do people really think OBJ is going to make a difference this year? 
new city, new coaches, new offense, new teammates, new everything. And we got five weeks left in the regular season. So I don't see Baker Mayfield being anything more than a distraction right now right. for the San Francisco 49ers. Right. We're on the same page with that. Yeah. On the surface, it makes sense just because Jimmy G's out. Let's go get somebody. And this guy was the first overall pick in the 2018 draft. But it doesn't make sense within the confines of what the 49ers are doing and who they are. Chris, we didn't get a chance to talk about this yesterday. But, I mean, my reaction to Jimmy Garoppolo getting injured was, I mean, if any contender was going to lose its starting quarterback and still keep rolling, it's the 49ers. Yeah, I, that's a fair statement. I think it's 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 out of all the, the real what we view as the Super Bowl contenders, right? I think they're the least quarterback-centric team in, in football. I mean, they're the, the, the least quarterback-centric team we've seen in the Super Bowl hunt, you know, over the last 10 years. You know, they just they do it a lot of different ways. And I think Shanahan, again, it's, it's, they'll find ways to get it done. Uh, they're smash-mouth football, right? Uh, Brock Purdy, take care of the ball a little bit. We'll play defense. Shanahan will dial up some special Shanahan. I've been in the lab drawing this play up to screw you over defense. And they can play that style of football, and I'm with you. I was blown away by the way Brock Purdy played in that game the other day. That was about as tough as a situation as you could put a backup quarterback in, let alone a rookie backup quarterback. I mean, one, this is like this is one of those defenses that you play where you go, I don't, man, I, this is going to be my first experience. This damn defense with all the aggression and blitzes, and this guy's blitzing, this guy's dropping out. I mean, they make you earn it that way, and they tried everything. That's what was cool, too. You went, I, Blitz, oh, wait, that didn't work. And then they were like, all right, let's rush forward and play zone coverage and make him read that. And he did. He passed that test. I mean, I was very impressed, and I'm with you, Mike. I mean, they're, they're the team that I, I certainly wouldn't count out here either. But I guess we get to see. A, right now, I've, I've relegated them. They were in the Super Bowl conversation. I've put them back into now they're just a playoff team that can maybe win a game. I, I, I got to see a little more evidence here, as dangerous as I think their team is. But, damn, that was a good start of, of gathering evidence last week on Brock Purdy. Remember 2019, we were there when Kyle Shanahan got sufficiently freaked out by Jimmy Garoppolo that he turned him into a handoff machine in the second half of the win over the Vikings in the divisional round. He continued to be a handoff machine in the NFC Championship win over the Packers. And then – he threw the ball a lot more than the Super Bowl, and obviously <laughs> there was that one throw that that sailed over Emmanuel. Yeah, there was Not a that few was throws. An easy throw, but yeah. it was an opportunity yeah. to, to win a Super Bowl. Okay, another two teams, right? To keep it on. And yeah. one of the things I have on my list of things to do today is to go back and research all the teams that showed interest in Baker Mayfield coming out of the draft, because those teams and/or those coaches, executives, wherever they are now, it makes sense to wonder whether or not they're thinking about Baker Mayfield. But remember, there was. News of a late workout right before the draft of Baker Mayfield by, do you remember? Do you remember? Do you know? Do no, you know? no. Josh McDaniels. Okay, yeah, right, the sure. The offensive coordinator of the New England Patriots. Sure. So, so, does McDaniels take a flyer? Does Bill Belichick take a flyer? Right now, McDaniels has priority by one game over Belichick. Do either of those guys. And from Belichick's standpoint, I don't, I don't. With him, you never know. And you never know what message he's trying to send. You never know what long game or short game or combination he's playing. But that was a team, Patriots with McDaniels there, this, that was at least of the pro-Mayfield mindset sure. going into the 2018 draft. Now, they've got, they've got four-plus years of 
football they can look at and other things personality wise that they may not be thrilled about but those are two teams i'm keeping an eye on patriots and raiders chris yeah i i understand it from that logic i don't know if i believe that they would do those type of moves you know that that to me would be you know dicey you know what first off the raiders and Derek carr and josh mcdaniels and Devonte adams they got it rolling right now and they're one of the hottest offenses in football I mean, again, they're starting to show that they're kind of playoff caliber. If they didn't blow some of those games early in the year, you know, had the Titans in a bad spot, had Arizona in a bad spot, and I'm missing, I'm missing another blown lead. Of course, had the Chiefs in a bad spot. There's another one I'm missing. But either way, Colts. Yeah, the yeah, Colts. May, maybe the Colts too. Yeah, had them in a bad spot. Uh, Here's what's amazing. The Colts beat the Raiders right. in Jeff Saturday's first game, and the Colts are 0-3 since then, and the Raiders are 3-0 yeah, since then. Yeah, it is. I think it, that makes sense. It, 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 it is. It's hard to make sense. And then I think when you – like, so I wouldn't want to mess with that if I'm Josh McDaniels. We finally got it going, and Derek Carr's feeling good, and he's playing top-notch football. And then with the Patriots, uh, I just – it's dicey already. I mean, people were calling for Mac Jones' head when Bailey Zappi was throwing to guys that were wide open and they were running the ball for 300 yards every game. So now you do that, you know, again, I mean, if you don't think Baker, if you don't think uh, Mac Jones is the future, then fine, flirt with that, you know, experiment. But if you do, I think you're playing with fire there. I just would be shocked if New England would, would go down that road, Mike. I really would be. I think your Detroit wanna- and Colts thought is – you know, I, I think those you know, there's some some merit to those two teams. I, I could see that. Uh, let's let's bring this home with I think the most simple approach: the teams that would want him and put him on the field now, teams that are in need of someone now. And the Rams have three straight games. Mm-hmm. Not that he would do anything Thursday night, but they've got Thursday night prime time. They've got Monday night after that standalone non-flexible game. They've got Christmas Day against the Broncos. They've got three straight games that everyone's going to get to see. And they got John Wolford and Bryce Perkins at quarterback and Wolford's banged up. So the Rams make sense just from the standpoint of it gives you a reason to watch the game. (laughs) Let's see what Baker Mayfield can do. Otherwise, why in the hell do we even care? And I think the Saints are another team that fall into the category. Yeah, they Not are. That they would put them on the field now. Yeah, right. But they are a prime. Evaluate bring them. them in for five weeks. Yeah. And decide what we're going to do next year. And I can see Mickey Loomis, their GM, being very strategic. And if Andy Dalton doesn't like it, so what? They already yeah. got Jameis Winston no, standing they're not. Them. They're not the future anyways. Hey, I mean, they, they hey. know that. So, yeah, you, you that would be a team that uh, I after I said Colts and we talked Lions that I looked at and went, oh, well, last night's team certainly would make sense as well to throw in that conversation. Take it a step farther, Chris. Saints claim Baker Mayfield. Saints get Baker Mayfield. Saints wave Jameis Winston. And then we do it all again tomorrow Thursday, <laughs> yeah. right yeah where's Jameis Winston gonna go yeah. I, I because the guy's just there he's healthy he's just there if you're gonna bring in Baker Mayfield you what do you how many quarterbacks you gonna have you can have three quarterbacks and Taysom Hill on your roster I wouldn't be surprised if they would claim him and get him if Winston would be gone as well um, let's go ahead and take a break some other quarterback news regarding a team that has a quarterback who is injured and a team that has a top two overall pick on the bench, not even in uniform. We'll talk Ravens and Jets when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, 
And with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. John, uh, any update on Lamar? Yeah, we, uh, he's been through the MRIs, and uh, I would say it's kind of week to week. You know, it's going to be a weekly thing, so... As the week goes on, we'll see for this week. It's probably less likely for this week, but it's not impossible. Um, And then after that, it'll become more and more likely. John Harbaugh, Ravens coach, with not much new information. One of the realities of the MRI process is it tells you what's exactly wrong with the knee. And unless we hear the three-letter designations for the ligament, it's hard to really know. I have a feeling based on what he's saying, it may be an MCL thing. No surgery, just rest. That's the one ligament that can can heal without surgery, can repair and recover. Now, the PCL, I think, can to a certain extent, but the MCL is the common one that just takes rest and you'll be good to go. Rest and rehab and recovery and you're ready. So week to week, who knows? Who knows? I mean, it could, who knows? But week to week is not good. It's better than month to month, but it's going to be Tyler Huntley, at least for this week, against the Steelers. And the Ravens may have to do what they did last year, Chris, go into the last stage of the season without your starting quarterback, and there goes your playoff chance. Because Tyler Huntley, even though they love him, he was 1-3 and three as a starter down the stretch last year. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's, it's, it stinks for the Baltimore Ravens. You know, they're, they're, they're struggling as a football team the last few weeks, you know, with a healthy Lamar. I mean, that, that's where it's, you know, a little troubling. They haven't been able to run the ball tr- like the traditional way with their running backs here ever since the bye week. And then it's become a little bit about their passing game, and we've, we've talked about their passing game. It's not good enough that it's going to stand alone and carry their football team. It's not creative enough scheme-wise, and they don't have enough talent at those positions to go, oh, well, our passing game will get it done. So that's where, and then Lamar, of course, his ability to run the football, you know, helps some things out. So not to have him, you know, it stinks. But the good thing is with a guy like Tyler Huntley, I think he's one of the best backups in football. He is. I mean, to come in in that situation again, that was that was big time against that defense, Denver. I mean, you know, the th- and and really it wasn't easy. He kind of just gutted it out with good decisions and you know, short throws for five and six yards and little plays like this, nothing's there, let me get it done. You know, made a few plays with his legs. So I, Baltimore, their defense has got it to a point here where I think they're playing good enough. If Huntley takes care of the football and makes the decisions we saw towards the end of that game there, they're, they're still going to be a pain in the butt. And the good thing they have too, they got enough wins in the bank here and their schedule coming up. It's just not that daunting. I know it won't be easy. I mean, we, we've seen they barely squeak by the, the Panthers and the Broncos here the two out of the last three weeks. But it, it's not games where we're going to look at the Steelers, the Browns, the Falcons, any of those teams, and go, oh, well, man, they're outmatched here. The Ravens are going to be the better team on the field. It's just you know going to be a little dicey, and especially the way they're playing right now.
Well, and it's at Pittsburgh, at Cleveland, the next two games, and they're divisional opponents. Yeah, that's right. Lose those games. Those yeah. are tough, hard-fought games. And Tyler Huntley has been fascinating to me. He's a guy I've been paying attention to from the standpoint of will they get him signed to a longer-term contract, and how does that connect with what their strategy is with Lamar Jackson? Tyler Huntley will be a restricted free agent after this season. He was undrafted. He was an exclusive rights free agent after 2021, which means not a free agent at all. You get one offer from the team that has you. No one else can try to get you. After this year, they'd have to use a restricted free agency tender. He'd be an unrestricted free agent after 23. If they ever sign him to a longer-term deal, it makes you just wonder whether or not he's the Lamar Jackson. He has to be the Lamar Jackson contingency plan. He has to be if they would end up trading or just moving on from Lamar Jackson after one or two years under the franchise tag. So they like him. And as you said, it was the Broncos' defense. So, And they won the game. They won the game. The Broncos' issues this year are offensive, not defensive. There's nothing wrong That's with their right. defense. And Huntley did enough to get them to where they need to be. So we'll see when Lamar comes back. Week to week, we'll see. Yep. Uh, we'll also see week to week when Zach Wilson is back, if at all. Let's have a listen and then dissect the comments from Jets head coach Robert Sala from yesterday regarding his quarterback situation. Will Zach be inactive again this week, or is he done enough to be the, the backup quarterback? Have you seen enough for him to be the backup? Uh, we're going to go uh, – it's going to be status quo, so he'll still be uh, – the plan is for him to still be inactive and, unless something changes. Is your intent still to have Zach play this season? That's still I'm, – I'm still right there with that same intent. Um, Zach's been doing a lot, everything right. He's, uh, he's, he's been putting in the extra meeting time. He's been putting in the extra work after, after practice. Um, uh, really working on trying to retie all his fundamentals together and uh, uh, spending, like I said, spending extra time with him, all the work that he's doing on scout team with regards to uh, playing quarterback the way. Um, and I know people think scout team, all offenses to, to a degree run the same stuff, but uh, you know, just, just tying it all together and getting completions against our defense, just get completions and, uh, and regain all the confidence that, uh, that we know he's capable of and all the different things that he's capable of as a quarterback. So uh, but the intent is to still get him back on the football field. So for Mike, then I'm going to stay status quo on all of it. This is Mike's opportunity to to make noise, and um, you never you never ask how your opportunity comes. You just take advantage of your opportunity and you do the best you can. And uh, so it's you know we got all the faith in Mike. I've said it before, and I know the the line: if you have more than one quarterback, you have none. Well, we feel like we have three of them. I love studying. The facial expressions and the demeanor. And I don't know if you noticed this, Chris, but one of the all-time great tells is the touching of the face while giving the message. And when he's talking about Zach Wilson, he's, you know, he's doing all the things that we need to do. He's, yeah, he's a, yeah, we're, we're thinking, it, uh, and when he's talking about Mike White, it's hands down and it's, it's go time. There's no equivocation. There's no hesitation. There's none of that involuntary reflex. And folks, it's real. When you're trying to sell something and you're a little nervous about your ability to sell it, you get a little bit of this, uh, it's natural. And the, the best communicators know to keep their hands in place all the time and sell it with their facial expression and nothing else. I'm not buying it. I think that whatever got them to put Zach Wilson on the bench is still there. It's not getting any better. It's weird to me, and I know it's weird to you that he's number three. There was that moment on Sunday against the Vikings, next to last drive. They had two opportunities to score and potentially win the game. 
Mike White got rocked and he looked hurt. And I think this was said in the viewing room. I know it rocketed around inside my brain. Holy crap, Joe Flacco's coming in now? I mean, what a different feeling if Zach Wilson would be the guy who came in in that spot if the starting quarterback gets injured. So there's something weird here. And yes, he said all the right things, but when he talked about Zach Wilson, there was a little too much of this, oh, yeah, oh, he's doing everything he needs to do. I'm not sure that he is. Otherwise, he wouldn't be standing there in street clothes during the games. Yeah, uh, well, I, I, you know, I, because I don't think he knows where this is going right now. You know, again, there's going to be organizational pressure, GM, owner. Yeah, all that's hovering over the Zach Wilson situation. So he's got to be sensitive to that. And I think they I think they still want him to be the future to a degree. You know, so they want the best for him. But I don't know if they know where to infuse them. And I think that's where and I, I, I think this is one of the weirdest situations in football right now. I do. Uh, it, it, it is. And, and, and listen, I think from a football standpoint, I understand what they're trying to do here. They want Zach Wilson to work on some things that they feel have some there are real issues with him and get those fixed and work on those. And then we'll start throwing, hey, playbook, and you can get back out there, and here's the reps and practice and all that. But they want him to become a little bit more of a machine first, it sounds like, as far as throwing the ball, decisions. That's that's everybody you talk to around the situation. Let Robert Sala said that for two straight weeks in press conference. The problem is, to what you're saying and to what we all see, is the problem with the NFL is the perception. And the, the look and the perception is horrible. It's horrible. And, you know, I think that's where teams can lose sight of it sometimes, where they, they want to go, well, yeah, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this, and it makes sense to them. And, yeah, okay, but you're kind of in this own little box of your organization, and I don't know if you're paying attention, but, but you're putting Zach Wilson in this situation under such a microscope that it, it's, it's very weird. It's going to be hard to come back from, in my opinion. And that's where, it's, that's where I don't get it. So I understand the thought, but the perception and the talk radio and everything is just piling on. And then the fact of, like you said, he's not even dressed for the game, that piles on even more to they go, well, they don't even trust him to be the backup. I mean, how bad is he? Blah, blah, blah. And that just all adds to this. And that's where I can't remember a situation like this, really. It's as weird as it gets. They got Buffalo this week, and then they're back to playing the Lions where – I mean, again, the Lions have been playing better defense, but when you take Chicago, Minnesota, and the Lions, you're talking about three of the worst defenses in football over the last six or seven weeks. And then Mike White's going to get to play them. I just have a hard time thinking we're going to get Zach Wilson back in there. Oh, and then it's the Seahawks the week after that, the worst defense in football, or the second to worst. So that's where it does not – the rubber does not meet the road to me in that situation. And I, I don't know where this is going to go. I, I'm very intrigued by this whole situation. Mike White started three games last year. Cincinnati won the game, toasted the town. Short week, Indianapolis got injured, so that's kind of an incomplete. And then came back and played the Bills and lost 45-17 to with four interceptions and no touchdown passes. Enter the Bills this weekend. More accurately, they enter Buffalo this weekend. And this is his chance to prove that he's – and when I spoke to him after the win in his debut a week and a half ago, he said – one of the things he learned is don't play hero ball and, and do what the offense dictates. And look, we saw some good things from him on Sunday, but it sure. was against the Vikings and they didn't score 
but one touchdown in the red zone on six trips, too many field goals, and then two opportunities at the end to score touchdowns to win the game, and they just couldn't get it done. And part of its play calling, those two passes, especially the one that was floated out of the end zone on third down, made no sense. But the point is this, Chris, you got all the players with the Mike F and White T-shirt, and you've got Garrett Wilson, after a loss, talking about this guy like he is the next Joe Namath. Like, this is my guy. Yeah, I want to line up with weird him. Too. I want to go to bat. And how awkward it makes it. Chris, I, the, my only read on this, because they're not going to come out and be completely candid with yeah. us if this is the truth. Right. My read on this is this guy's uncoachable and he's unlikable. The locker room is rallying around Mike White and the coaching staff is at their wits end with this kid because he won't listen to them no matter how many times they say it, no matter how many different ways they put it, he won't listen. So they had to put him on timeout. He's basically on timeout and they're waiting to see if he learns while he sits his ass in the corner. Does he finally cry uncle and say, I'll do everything and show, show eh, he's showing that he's doing show that he's doing everything that they need him to do to earn his way back onto the field. And they have to also hope that that intersects with Mike white cooling off enough that they can sell going back to Zach Wilson to the locker room. Yeah, it, that's where it's it's hard. It's it's hard. It's weird. I don't know if they could sell it to the, the Jets fan base. They're they're a little blinded by Mike White too. No matter what. I mean, you talked about his resume from last blinded year. He also Mike White. he also came in the you know the week before that Bengals game and threw what two interceptions against the he he threw eight interceptions in in two and three quarters of a game last year. You know. So that's where you know it just the rubber doesn't meet the road on a lot of this, and I don't disagree with you. It seems like they're trying to prove a point to Zach Wilson, and things might have gone the wrong way. But those same guys that were wearing Mike White T-shirts were wearing Zach Wilson T-shirts before the year too. So that's where it's weird too, year. right? The Milvinator. I mean, it was all like he's the coolest guy, and all you could hear is how cool he was in the locker room, and everybody loved him. So that's where it just is so. I don't really know where it goes. But they have definitely the, – the future is cloudy and questionable. And one, you know, this is where this is where when you don't handle situations the right way, perception can really change a guy's career and change everything. I mean, the Jets should know better. Their fan base and people changed the perception of Geno Smith to such an extent that it took eight years for anybody to let him back on the field and let him play and show, hey, you know what? Maybe we were the problem in New York. Uh, so that's where it gets dicey for Zach Wilson, too. But I don't disagree with what you said. The optic, optics look like, yeah, the team doesn't didn't like him or doesn't like him. And Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore, they certainly seem like they don't like him. And that's where, you know, uh, I, I yeah, I don't know where this goes. I, I'm very disappointed because you had a litany – of quarterback songs over the years from O Aaron Rodgers to Deshaun Watson is so freaking awesome. Oh, that's been retired to giddy up, giddy up, giddy up Josh Allen and my homie, my homie. I just gave you blinded by Mike white. I mean, I was the Bruce Springsteen. You just need to be Manford man and take it and make it into a hit. Uh, sorry. I was too deep. I was too deep in thought right, right there. All right. So blinded sorry. Blinded by Mike white. I think there's something there. We got to work on the lyrics beyond that, but at least I got you a start. You do the rest. We got to take a break. More PFT Live right after this. The way that 
Christian's developed, you definitely got to feel good uh, organization with uh, his development. It's a rapid, wild development that it's hard to think about another player who goes from uh, being kind of um, here and there, minimal production to go-to type player, uh, home run player. I mean, he had two, you know, what, 60 plus yard touchdowns, it seems like. Uh, last week, catch and run on a short one and then end around. Uh, pretty special. So it all factor into it, but uh, there's got to be mutual uh, desire on both sides. At the end of his answer about uh, Christian and whether or not his performance makes him more willing to come back next year. Uh, the sentence he said was, there's got to be mutual desire on both sides. Can you say that if Aaron Rodgers wants to play football next year that you want him to be your quarterback? So yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, of course. So, um, But, you know, you guys know how I feel. Like, I have a hard time looking past the L.A. Rams right now. Well, Aaron Rodgers, a little Matt LaFleur. Rodgers' future as seen through the lens of Christian Watson's potential. Will somebody please, somebody please, and I know Aaron Rodgers and the Packers on a bye this week. I don't know what his media schedule is going to be. I don't know if he's going to do the McAfee show today. But will somebody please ask Aaron Rodgers if it's ever occurred to him that the development of Christian Watson may have been accelerated if his starting quarterback had chosen to be available to participate in the preparation of Christian Watson for his first NFL training camp. Have the synapses in Aaron Rodgers' very big and beautiful and complicated brain ever connected in a way that made him think, you know what, if I'd have been there for the offseason program, if I'd have had him come to my house, wherever it is, wherever he spends his time in the offseason, and we'd work together like other quarterbacks do with their receivers, maybe he'd have, he'd have gotten to this point even sooner than the mid to late part of the season. Will somebody just ask him the question, Chris? I don't think anybody's even asked him that question. I, I think they asked him, like, early on in the process, and he, you know, gave the answer of, like, you know, there's plenty of time in training camp. It was one of those type of but things. Now, but now, now, I know. Now nobody's that he's developed. Right. Nobody's that, reinvested in, the, in that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and Maybe they wouldn't be five and eight. Maybe they'd be eight and five. It's a it's a fair question, and of course I'm with you in, in that belief that yes, it's it's always better to be there and and you know gain that camaraderie and trust and and start to you know feel comfortable with each other. I think it's a it's a it is an interesting question here. And listen, you know how much I love Christian Watson. I thought he was the second best receiver in the draft, only behind Jamison Williams out of Alabama. This guy's special. There are not too many people on planet Earth that are like uh, like Christian Watson. This is a DK Metcalf-ish type of football player, A.J. Brown, but I think with more straightaway speed. I mean, this guy's got three rockets up his butt. He's going to be one of the fastest guys in football here. I mean, he, he turns the corner on everybody, and he is the type of talent that if I'm Aaron Rodgers and the season's over and you're on the fence a little bit, I think between him and Dobbs, who got injured, but, you know, the old number 87, they, they could have something that's damn dangerous next year. They're the type of talents that I, I think any quarterback would look at it and recognize and go, damn, do I, do I really want to leave that? But, you know, I, I don't know, and I don't know. Here we are again. It's the end of the season. It's, a bi- it's five and eight. They're still not out of it, and we're already 
getting cryptic messages and I don't know, giving farewells to Chicago and saying things like, I don't know, you never know when this could be your last time there. And I, it, it's just, it's like, it's, it just never dies, this subject. It never dies. We're always talking about him and this and, oy, oy, oy. It just, uh, it's a but little he exhausting. He started it, Chris. I know he, he did. He started it. I know. He started it. I'm not, he became I know. the new Brett Favre a few years ago when he started talking about retirement and will I or won't I and do I want to play somewhere else and all that stuff we heard. Remember when it came to a head, the, First day of the draft, 2021, where the the 49ers supposedly made a call and he thought that they had told him they would trade him out of Green Bay if he wanted to be traded. And that created all that consternation in the 2021 offseason. I mean, it's real. And now he says there has to be mutual desire on both sides for this to continue. And that's just wrong. He holds all the cards. He's got a fully guaranteed salary compensation package it's not just salary it's bonuses and whatnot but it's fully guaranteed of nearly 60 million dollars for next year they can't cut him and people say well they could trade him well you're not going to trade him to a team you don't want to be traded to you don't just trade Aaron Rodgers like a backup running back you you better you better be sure if you're trading for Aaron Rodgers he wants to play for you and if all Aaron Rodgers has to say is you know what it's been my aspiration all along to retire as a member of the Green Bay Packers and that's what I intend to do and I want to keep playing I want to keep playing. I'm ready to go. I don't think them asking nicely, like to Baker Mayfield, would you please release me? I think Packers saying to Aaron Rodgers, would you please retire? I don't think they're going to get the answer they'd want. So even if they want to move on to Jordan Love, they're stuck. The contract they gave Aaron Rodgers earlier this year puts him in a position where they are stuck if Rodgers wants to come back. And and I'm not saying that he shouldn't play. He's still good enough to be their starter. He's not MVP level, at least not this year. So it's his decision. It's not a mutual decision. No, that's, that's exactly. Decision. They've already made their their part of the mutual decision. They guaranteed him $60 million. They're obviously okay with that. Yes, it's on him. So that that's where it's odd, too. I mean, that's it, it, it's, it's somewhat cryptic again to just go, well, well what do you mean? Well, they've, they've, already, they've already made their decision that they're good with you. They made that last year, last offseason, when they gave you the contract. They're good for the next two or three years with the decision of, like, we agree that you should be the quarterback here. And, yes, it wasn't good this year. There's no doubt. His play, it's, it's, it's the worst year of his career. But, you know, it, it's still a lot of positives about this football team. And with those two receivers we're talking about, um, yeah, the, that, that could be interesting next year. Even with Aaron Rodgers not being one of the three, five best quarterbacks in football, which he no longer is. But still – He's still dangerous, and we still see him make throws where we go, damn, that's special. That's good right there. Um, but, but yeah, I just it, it seems like we're going to start this drama and this conversation over uh, you know, one more time here. Well, and that's, that's his prerogative. It's his call. At the end of the day, it's his call whether or not he comes back. It's his call whether or not there's drama. Now, yesterday, as the Packers entered the bye week, General Manager Brian Gutekunst was available to speak to reporters. I could read you the key comment. Or we can watch and see if there's any of this going on here, any facial expressions that would maybe maybe give us a deeper truth in what Gutekunst had to say when the topic came up of Aaron Rodgers returning. Let's have a look and a listen. Do you want Aaron back next year, or is that something that you just don't decide till the offseason? Well, certainly that's an offseason off, uh, season kind of decision, but surely, yeah, we want all our guys back. And um, you know, we made a big commitment to him this offseason, and um, – so that was obviously, you know, something that was really important to us. 
But like we've talked about in, in, in the past, I mean, this is something we'll sit down with him after the season, and it'll be something we do together and, and move forward that way. He had said last night after the game that, you know, there has to be mutual interest. So I assume he was, you know, mentioning if you guys are interested in him. Yeah, I mean, it is mutual, right? I mean, on his part, too. So, you know, I think, like I said, I mean, he's, um, you know, what he's been able to do here and play through what he's played through the past six, seven, eight games, whatever it is. I mean, he's a, he's a tough son of a gun now. And um, so, you know, but again, I think with what he's accomplished here, what he's done for this organization, that is certainly something that we'll sit down together and, and work through as we, as we get through the offseason. But those are offseason, you know, questions. No touching of the face. However, when he said we want all our guys back, I mean, come on. We want all our guys back, and there's 30% turnover every year for every team. So that's kind of a meaningless throwaway. Yeah, we want him back. We want all our guys back. Well, he's not one of your guys. He's not the gunner on the punt team. This is Aaron Rodgers. So, and the idea we're going to sit down and talk about it and mutual, he's, he's the guy that's in charge. And this is the team that I firmly believe it was a different GM and a different head coach that went to Brett Favre in 2008 and said in February, we need to know right now if you're playing this year. And I think deep down they knew if they pushed him, then he'd say, well, okay, I'm not playing. I don't know what kind of next level approach they're going to have with Rodgers because you got to be careful because Rodgers is smart enough to see through it. I don't know what they're going to do if they really do want to move on to Jordan Lovin. I, I think we got, we got four chapters left in the book. They still may make the playoffs. If they don't make the playoffs, it's one thing. If they make the playoffs and they have a nice little run again, you feel a different way. So I think from the team standpoint, it's still to be determined. From Rogers' standpoint, I don't know why you'd want to walk away from $60 million, Chris. No, I, I don't either. But I, I do think Aaron Rodgers is one of those guys, too, when he's – you know, like we've talked about, I, I, I think when he's not the man and he can't make magic happen and he's not throwing lasers all over the field, I don't think he's the guy that's going like, to hang around the league for another year or two. Uh, I, I do feel like he's that way. It's, it's part of his aura. Part of his aura and Aaron Rodgers, is he's, he's arguably the, the most physically gifted quarterback in the history of football. I mean, you know me. I mean, when you take quarterbacks in their prime and what they played with their absolute prime – uh, I, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody better than Aaron Rodgers. He did to me, him, Elway, Peyton Manning, and their prime, and nobody better than those guys right there. So, but, you know, he's got to struggle with that. Can, can he deal with the fact that, you know, okay, yeah, you're not Joe Burrow or Josh Allen or Mahomes or any of those guys. You're not. They're in a different world than you now. Uh, and, and I hope he can. But, you know, the, one of the things that's going to be interesting here, I, I think, too, even before the end of the season, Mike, is just – you know, when they do officially get eliminated or this decision of, wait, let's play Jordan Love here down the stretch and see what he has, that, that'll be a little bit of a tell. Who gives a damn what he is or what he has if you're coming back to play next year? What, what, what do you, what, what's the point? You know, so that, that's where, you know, the, again, that doesn't totally make sense to me, and I think that could be a little telltale sign here the last few weeks of the year as far as how things play out in the offseason too. But you need to know enough about Jordan Love to decide whether or not to pick up the fifth-year option by May 3rd of 2023. That's a reason to do it. That's a plausible way that they can say to Aaron Rodgers, we have a fifth-year option on this guy that we have to decide whether to pick up. We just need to play him some. And you've been banged up. You've got the thumb. You've got the rib. You've got this. you got that. We just need to give him a game or two because we have a decision to make in early May. And Aaron may see through that and say, yeah, you're just trying to figure out whether or not you want to float me on that little sheet of ice after the season, well, I know what you're trying to do. Well, that so, but that that's a that's a legitimate reason to see what Jordan Love can do 
so you know whether or not to pick up a fully guaranteed salary for 2024. I, I, for I, I would be shocked no matter what. Why would you pick up a fifth-year option no matter what? Like, like uh, the, the, why wouldn't you? Well, you still need to have the guy available if Aaron Rodgers isn't there. Oh, and okay. Well, he's going to be, the, he's gonna he be there played. next year. I mean, he's going to be there next year. And if he's and if he doesn't going into the twenty twenty four season, like nobody's going to be like, oh my gosh, we got to get Jordan Love. We we're just clamoring. Let's break out the checkbook for him. His place, the place that loves him the most, is the place he's at right now. But by far. Most of the league is not a believer in Jordan Love. Most of fans, anybody there. So they're, they're, they control Jordan Love. So they can say that. To me, that's, again, that's a little bit of like a, 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 a throwaway to me to a degree as far as that. And that's where, you know, it, it is interesting. I mean, this is going to be, again, for the third straight offseason, we're going to be talking about Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay a whole lot, which I – We need to take a break. Which is but great and annoying. One of, the, one of the factors – to remember, Aaron Rodgers is not going to retire, want to retire the same year Tom Brady does because he doesn't want to be second fiddle to Tom Brady when they both enter the Hall of Fame. That will be a factor, not a deciding factor, but it will be a factor. More PFT Live right after this. Odell Beckham Jr. making the rounds. He's been to New York. He's been to Buffalo. He's visiting the Cowboys. I really don't know what's going on here, Chris. I do believe at some level Odell's agents are using this vague promise of making a difference for a team in 2022 to get him paid for 2023. And he's not working out for teams. Jay Glazer reported that on Sunday. They're not talking contract. He's just going on this tour of all these folks showing him love. Remember, that's a big part of his, and that's fine. It's fine. You want to feel wanted wherever you are. He wants to feel wanted, but I don't know that as we get into the middle of December, which will be here by the time we get to the next weekend of games, and he's not going to be playing them. When's he even going to play? What's he going to do for a team this year? At some point, he's going to see that, oh, I'll help you in the playoffs. Isn't going to get him the contract he wants. And I think his best play eventually may be to just say, I'm going to sign after the season. I won't have to wait until March. I'm a free agent now. I'll sign after the Super Bowl with somebody. We'll do that again, and you can make me your offers, and I'll get ready to go for you week one. Because I think it's going to be too much pressure, and the expectations will be too high for him to come in and help somebody down the stretch or in the playoffs this year. It's going to be about how you know how he feels, how he feels physically. I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying there. I mean, first off, I think if I was just from the team's perspective, there's no way I would sign Odell Beckham Jr. to a long-term contract. There's no way. I just, yeah, I'd have to see more. I'm not going to invest into the future without knowing what you look like on the field and where your body is there. So, and honestly, I, don't, I mean, I don't think any team's going to feel comfortable about that. I think if he wants to maximize what he's wants to do, you know, again, this goes into kind of what you're saying. You got to be a little careful about where you are with your body. But if you feel like, you know, hey, you can add something here to a football team in the next, you know, five, a month from now, then go for it and put your best foot forward. I, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be mad at that. I do think he has a chance, you know, we saw him do it last year. I know this is a little later on in the process, but he has a chance again to at least maybe get healthy 
and be 100% by the playoffs or some not 100%, but good enough to where he's a real threat. And then a team, if you're on the right situation, a team in the offseason can go, okay, here's what we got. This is good, and now he might get the money he, he wants or deserves. But, like, Mike, I, this is what we said from early on in the process where, you know, I had, I had heard from teams that, yeah, Odell Beckham Jr., you know, from everything I think his camp was telling some of these teams, like they didn't think they were going to be able to play in December. It was going to be get on a team, kind of get in shape, get used to things, and then hopefully I can help you out for the playoffs. And I don't know how any team could feel comfortable about giving them a long-term contract with, with that formula we just laid out right there. My suspicion is that the Cowboys are putting on the full court press to try to get the Giants to do something stupid and give him too much money and step up with the offer he's looking for and put themselves in a tough spot moving forward. Because you're right, either wait until after the season or do a deal that carries you to the end of the season. I don't see who's going to give him big money beyond this year. Sight unseen, no workout, no guarantee that he's going to help you now. we got to take a break. More PFT Live right after this. Yeah, I think we need to do what we're doing better. Uh, I don't think at this point making a lot of dramatic changes is too hard to do that. We we need we're if we can just do consistently what we were doing, I think we'll be all right. But we just haven't been able to have enough consistency, you know, and that's hurt us. It's not one thing, it's just one thing, next time it's something else. We just have to we just have to play more consistent play and coach more consistently. Bill Belichick on WEEI yesterday talking about issues with the team's offense. It came to a head Thursday night. Man, I wish you were doing the show on Friday. I mean, Peter and I talked about it, but I would have loved to have heard your thoughts about Mike McCorkle-Jones and his F-bombs on the sideline. He actually broke from the Stepford Patriot mode a little bit during his press conference. Other players yeah. voicing concerns about the offense. I mean, hey, they this grand experiment of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge running the offense, it ain't working, Chris. No. And it's too late to do anything about it. Exactly. It is. You're too far down the road now. I mean, you're fighting for playoff, you know, your your playoff life here. You can't make that type of change. There's nobody on the staff that's qualified to do it at this point. It's going to continue to have to be Belichick, Patricia, and Joe Judge figuring this thing out. But, you know, again, I, I think, you know, it goes back to our point of, I think it was like too loosely just, you know, forgiven that Josh McDaniels wasn't going to be there this year. It's still the it's still weird. I mean, yeah, New England's pulled it off to a degree and of course been good, but nothing special. The offense still has questions. You know, the the whole situation is weird. You know, why did they not hire an offensive coordinator or somebody that fit that mold? It just it's uh, I, I don't understand that. It's cool to see Mac Jones break out of that mold a little bit. I think he needs to be that. But uh, I understand his frustrations. Their offense is it's not good. It lacks creativity. It lacks those plays that we talk about. You know, just the the game plan ability of the good offensive minds in the sport that just know how to you know expose what a team's doing they have a lot of the good basics but there's none of that mcdaniel's magic or that ability to go ooh they got this team and they know when they're in this formation they got them playing this and they got all these answers ooh we've never seen that this year every every week against a good defense has pretty much been a struggle for the patriots and you know we're starting to hear the other receivers talk about it too 
So that, that, that's the other thing, too. They're slowly starting to speak out a little that, you know, we got to do better. we got to find more ways to create big plays. They're trying to tell you it's less than right there right now, and, and it's not going to get fixed now. It is a strange situation. And, look, there has been tension between Mac Jones and Bill Belichick. It goes back to the Bailey Zappi stuff when Jones thought he was healthy enough to play, and they were going with Zappi. They did that Monday night game where they went back and forth between the two guys. And the underpinnings of it all, the fact that Mac Jones was there last year when it was Josh McDaniels. He saw what it was like, yeah. and now he sees what it's like now. Right. And he's got a career invested in this. We talk about this all the time. Where a guy gets drafted has a big factor in what he's going to become as an NFL player. And his development is being slowed by the fact that they don't have a true offensive coordinator with the experience and everything else. Yeah, Chris. I, I think that's the friction there. I think the friction was built in the offseason where Mac Jones saw that there was issues with the offense. He'd voiced displeasure. I think he was trying to egg them on to be more creative that way. And, yeah, it's a big moment. I mean, certainly. He's, he's, he's in a tough situation. He wants to continue to develop. And you said it right. He saw the way Josh McDaniels did things, and he went, whoa, this makes a lot of sense, and wow, everything has logic, and I get it. And now you go to a new play or a new, new group of guys that are kind of trying to find their way. That's weird, let alone it's the type of move that Bill Belichick made that makes it seem like – He's on the way out the door, and he didn't want to try to break in a new offensive coordinator because I'm going to retire in the next year or two anyways, and I don't want to deal with that. So that's a little weird too, but you know, I, I got to think we're going to see Billy O'Brien back in New England as soon as the season's over and that he will be a part of that offensive staff for next year, and hopefully he can help out that situation. Is that a spitball or is that something firmer? Well, it's it's Rumorville, you know, football world that I've heard that there's a good chance or I've heard that it's, you know, there's a good chance that, that, that Bill O'Brien could end up there after, you know, Alabama plays their bowl game, that he's a Massachusetts guy, he worked there, and, yeah, there's some people I've talked to that, that believe he's headed there as soon as the college football season's over. I thought Josh McDaniels could be back in New England by Christmas based on the way things were going in the Raiders. Not now. Uh, but that's not happening now. So it better be Billy O. If you're going to get somebody who knows the lay of the land, Billy O more likely than Josh McDaniels. Quick break. We'll wrap things up right after this. Maybe I am in a grotto. Yeah. Artificial recess or structure made to resemble a natural cave. It is kind of cave-like down here, especially the ceiling. The ceiling is curved. So, I'm, you know, I think I'm just going to call this the grotto from now on. I, 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 like I, I think it works. It's, it's good. It's signing it's, off it from makes, the grotto. I mean, now just make it a big-time grotto. Get some more expensive wine. You know, out there and all that. But, you know, Mike, one thing I want to drink it all. Uh, I, good. Well, that's good, too. The one thing I want to say, just because we were talking about this, you know, I want to just pay a little love to Peyton Manning. And he's one of those goat guys, too. Damn, Tom Brady just broke his or broke his fourth quarter comeback thing. It's seven years after Peyton Manning re retired. Uh, it, that just tells you how amazing Peyton Manning was in his prime. I just wanted to show a little love to Peyton there. Oh, hey, it is amazing. And you're right. Tom Brady played a hell of a lot longer and just finally caught that 44 comebacks in uh, pretty amazing. Regular, I mean, either regulation way. Regulation or overtime, whatever. We're out of time. We got to go. See, See you tomorrow. Have a great day.
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.